I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> On a year when Valentine's Day falls on a Friday rather than a weekday, making the entire weekend subject to the tyranny of Cupid, this Sunday's gospel arrives like a bucket of ice water dashed over our romance-addled heads. On a weekend meant for love, we are not eager to hear about the law, how stiff it is, and how we are to follow it. After all, we often place law and love in different categories. We consider them opposites, falsely arguing that God provides law in the Old Testament and love in the New. We Christians think we're beyond law and only about love. As usual, we're wrong. Wrong about God and wrong about our own inclinations. This year, I was particularly aware of how our secular celebrations of romantic love provide their own kind of law, their own kind of judgment and punishment. You see, Valentine's Day happens to be Tracy's and my anniversary, much to our chagrin. But since this is our 20th anniversary, we thought we ought to make an effort to observe it. So two weeks ago, I tried to make dinner reservations. No luck. All that was left at any place we'd like to go had reservations before 5 p.m. or after 9. We're too young for the first. We're too old for the other. So we settled on celebrating on Thursday, the eve of the feast, and got a reservation at a reasonable time at Tinker Street. But earlier that day, I had occasion to be at another restaurant for lunch, and I listened as the young hostess fielded calls from what I imagined were desperate lovers and spouses. Over and over, I heard her say, we have reservations at 4.15 and 9.30. I imagined wailing and gnashing of teeth on the other end of the line. Then on Valentine's Day itself, I stopped in to CVS after work for Excedrin, no relationship to the holiday. <clears throat> Having celebrated the night before, I was not in a pink and red mood anymore, and so I was surprised when I saw all the desperate men, young and old, trawling the candy aisle, picking among the heart-shaped boxes. I thought, oh, you're in trouble. 
On the way to the checkout, there was a stand of roses where the unfortunate could pick out a single rose or a dozen to appease the beloved on the high holy day of romance. Suddenly, suddenly, love seemed an awful lot like law. Forget to make a reservation or buy a gift or do something special on this hallmark holiday stolen from a legit saint, by the way, and you're in the doghouse. Somehow, we've managed to make love a law rather than love. But that's okay. That's okay because, you see, Jesus is busy making law love. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount today. Jesus has declared the most unusual people blessed before this, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek and the merciful, the peacemakers, the pure in heart. He declares them us to be salt and light for the good of the world. And then he warns that he has not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And that's what we hear today. Jesus takes the rules that everyone would have been familiar with, don't murder, don't commit adultery, follow the rules about divorce, don't bear false witness, and then he turns up the heat. He intensifies them. He makes clear that we, we who follow God, are supposed to be different from the world. We're not just to follow the law to avoid trouble, to be in technical compliance. We are to live into law that was given to us not as a purity test, but as a way to abundant life. We are to live in a way that doesn't make sense in our culture the one that tells us to put ourselves first, to shun our enemies, to get our vengeance and protect ourselves, to win at all costs, to perfect our image. Instead, we are to live in a way where we don't just avoid harming others, but we actively work for their good. And we do this not just out of obligation, but out of transformed hearts. Not law, but love, or perhaps a law that is love. We're not only to refrain from murder, but from anger itself, from judging and criticizing another. We're to work swiftly to reconcile with another when there's conflict, even if we did not cause it. We're not only to refrain from adultery, we're not to treat any other like an object for our own pleasure. We're not only to follow the letter of the law when seeking to end a marriage, we are to stay married. Now I need to make a note here because this has been used to harm so many for so long. This command is directed at men in a time when they could divorce women for any reason, leaving them desperate financially and socially. So this is more about protecting the vulnerable than preventing divorce. 
Thus ends the lesson. <laughs> Finally, Jesus says, don't just refrain from swearing falsely, but speak honestly and openly at all times. Here, Jesus intensifies the law to help us live into it lovingly. We don't keep it just to save our own skin or avoid punishment. We are to choose life by living fully into who God calls us to be, people created to love and to live in beloved community where we don't try just not to harm each other, but we actually seek one another's good. We're not just supposed to keep the literal knife out of someone's back, but the metaphorical knife of cruel words and gossip that we use and that are killers of another kind. The opposite of murder here isn't refraining from killing someone, it's reconciliation. Leaving your gift before the altar to first be reconciled with anyone who has anything against you. And only then coming to worship God. After all, we cannot love God if we do not love the neighbor God loves. God doesn't want us to follow the law for the sake of the law, but for our sake, so that we might choose blessings, choose abundant life that is good, not just for each one of us, but to create a beloved community. Here Jesus helps us remember that God's law is love, hearkening back to Deuteronomy and Leviticus from which he offers the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus seems to be saying, it's not enough to follow the letter of the law, you must follow the love of it. And we aren't following the love of the law, we aren't creating beloved community when we give our anger and judgment free reign, when we objectify others, when we fail to keep our promises. It is our nature to turn love into law. Witness any Valentine's Day or any marital spat. It is God's nature to create laws that are love. Following the law won't make us beloved. God already did that. But following God's laws will make us loving. Following God's laws will make us loving more than any box of chocolate, more than any dozen of roses. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>